Take out your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look this morning at the Christmas story. And, you know, the reality is Christmas is here. Uh, whether you're ready for it or not, uh, if you've done all your shopping or you haven't, Christmas is here. And uh, I was reading a, a guy's quote this past week. Uh, a guy named Dinesh D'Souza has said this world would be unimaginably different if not for the birth of this one man, Jesus Christ. You know, when you think about it, there's a movement today to move away from saying Merry Christmas. You know, everybody wants to say Happy Holidays. They don't want to offend anybody. And, and, and I, I'm not, you know, a, I, I try to remind people what the season is really about and, and who it's about. And I try to remind them that were it not for Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be getting a day off, okay? I mean, you know, let's just think about it. There wouldn't be a holiday uh, if it wasn't for Christmas. And, and so while you may want to say happy holiday, the truth is it's really about Jesus and it's about the day that we've set aside uh, to celebrate his birth and, and what that means for us. And, you know, Christmas really hasn't changed. Uh, in in 2,000 plus years, Christmas is really still about the birth of Messiah. What's changed is society. And ultimately what's changed is us. We're we don't always focus on those things that are important about the birth of Christmas. And, you know, so this morning we're going to look at, at the very traditional Christmas story and some things that I believe that it challenges us with uh, about what we need to do, about how, how we can make Christmas fresh. Um, most of us work ourselves, or ladies, moms, uh, grandmoms, most of you, I'm not going to say us dads or, or whatever do a lot, but... You guys work yourself into a frazzle uh, trying to make everything just perfect for your family for Christmas so that by the time Christmas really gets here, you're not really, really very glad that it's here, okay? Uh, you just want it over. And then those of us husbands and dads that are part of that, uh, Christmas for us, we just want it over too, okay? Um, and, and, and it's because we've missed the point. We've missed the story that hasn't changed and 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 that story for us needs to be fresh it, it needs to be new it needs to be real and, and it needs to be that that understanding that Christmas is a religious holiday that happened for spiritual reasons that God might provide a way for you and I to be reconciled back to him that's what Christmas is all about God wants us to be with him and, and in a relationship with him, and Christmas is about that process, that story, that opportunity. So we're going to look this morning at the story of Christmas, and, and I pray that it allow, you allow it to help direct your daily path and what you do. If you have your Bibles open there to Luke chapter 2, if you would, um, pardon me, please stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God. In verse 8, begins, it says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. 
When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. You may be seated. May God bless his word this morning as we study it together. I want to I challenge you. This, it's, 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 this Christmas is different for me. And, and it's different because all of a sudden, I mean, I, I, as I share with the kids, man, I, I've been in the ministry for 31 years. Uh, I, I have been, I was raised in a Christian family. My grandmother had this tradition every single year. I shared with you, that's what we would do. We would read, and, 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 and what would happen is the newest grandchild that could read or the newest great-grandchild that could read, it would be their opportunity to read the story of Christmas or to recite the story of Christmas. And then we would listen, starting with me, I was the oldest grandchild, we would listen to all the recordings that my grandmother had made of all her other grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So we would go through about 18 renditions of the Christmas story, you know, every single year. And, and, and I'll be real honest with you, you know, sometimes by the time we, unless one of my kids was reading, I really didn't pay attention. I know the story, okay? I know it from memory. But I really began to realize this Christmas season, it's because my grandmother never lost the wonder of Christmas. It's the story of God loving us. And it never ceases to be old. So there's some things that, that I want to challenge us with, each of us, about what we read with the, the, the shepherds and Mary and Joseph that I think can give us a fresh perspective on the story of Christmas. You start in verse 14. In verse 14, uh, the angels have come. They've appeared before the shepherds. And this is what we read here. The glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So the first thing that I want us to begin to do at Christmas is to seek God's favor. How many of you were teacher's pet? Okay. How many of you, you, you did everything the teacher asked? You sat at front. You were quiet. You volunteered for everything. You just basically sucked up to your teacher every single way you could. Raise your hand. Those of you, okay, all right. How many of you disliked all the teacher's pets? Okay. How many of you... You just, you had to bust the erasers, but it wasn't because you were teacher's pet, it's because you were in trouble, okay? How many of you didn't like teacher's pets, okay? Both of my boys are pointing at their sister, okay? And, and you know, it's just, you know, we don't like people who try to seek special favor sometimes. It, it irritates us. But the truth is, the Word of God says, you can be and are God's favorite. The angels come, they appear to the shepherds, they've given them the message, glory to God in the highest. Everything that God does is to bring glory to his name. Okay, that, that, that's his purpose. Everything, when he uses you, when he speaks through us, when we read his word, everything God does is to glorify and to magnify his name. So glory to God, the angels are giving glory to God, glory to God in the highest. And then they say this, and peace to the people on earth upon whom he favors. And that word for peace is the Greek word irene, and it means to set at one again. 
to make one again, to reconcile. The purpose of the birth of Messiah, Jesus Christ, God's one only Son, that gives glory back to God is for God to come in the form of a baby and to reconcile us, to set at one, to make one those people who are separated. And then he says this, the angels sing, and on those he favors. That word for favor is a word that means to be well satisfied with. So what God is saying through his angels, these special messengers who come, that's, that's their whole purpose is to come and, and to be a message of good news to the people that will hear it. They appear to these shepherds and they tell them God is glorified. You can be at one again with God and you can be the person that God is well satisfied with. Now, I don't know about you, but the majority of my Christian life, I've not spent believing that God was very satisfied with me. I mean, most of us, if we're honest, we feel like God probably just tolerates us. He puts up with us because he has to because he's love, right? But that's not what the Word of God says. God's Word, the message to the angels is God is well satisfied with those that he is one with. And so what I ought to seek to do in my life, first of all, is to be reconciled to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To be at one with Him, to be one in Him, to walk with Him. And when I do that to the best of my ability, God is well satisfied. He didn't, he's not just looking at going, oh, there's that brewer kid again. You know. No, He's well satisfied. He's pleased in what He sees in us because, not of what we've done, but because of his relationship to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So my goal for Christmas is to seek to be one with him, to seek in everything that I do to be reconciled to God. If there's an area of my life where I'm not walking with him, then I seek to be reconciled to him, to put those things back into perspective, and, and to do that, to, to be right with God at Christmas. 22 times in Scripture the phrase uh, favored or highly favored is used. And in every single one of those incidences, it is where someone is seeking to be favored by a person in authority over them. So the way at Christmas that I seek to be God's favorite is to be right with Him. If there's an area of my life that's not right, man, God, make it right. If there's an area of my life where I'm not doing, living, thinking, thinking, speaking, doing what, God, man, I want to be right with you. I want to be one with you more than anything else. And that's the message of Christmas. God wants to be one with you. He wants His peace that's greater than any peace. It, you know, this time in, in, in history, the Pax Romana was in place, the peace of Rome. You probably study about that in history. And it was a peace of freedom from war over the whole Roman Empire, which was most of the known world at this time. But greater than any peace that a, a human government could ever be, bring, God says, I want you to be at peace with me. I want you to be totally at peace, at rest. I want you to be restored to me at peace for his glory. Now, the second thing this passage tells me is when I understand that, I'm supposed to use that story to tell other people. Look at verses 16 and 17. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who, were lying, who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. The favor of God is not based upon 
economic status. It's not based upon your education. It's not based upon where you are in society. It's not based upon what you do for a living. It's not based upon the church that you're a part of. Shepherds in this day and time were the outcast of society. They lived far away. Uh, they kept their flocks away from the people. More than likely, the flocks that these guys were watching over were actually the sheep that were used in the sacrifice in the temple. Bethlehem uh, was not that far away from Jerusalem. These guys were outside of Bethlehem, so more than likely, these were the herds that were used for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, But these, out, these shepherds were outcasts, and it's amazing... I shared this in the early service, that just about 10 centuries before, about a thousand, a little over a thousand years before, God had used a type of Christ, David, who would become the Savior of Israel, a type of Christ, a forerunner of Messiah, who was a shepherd. And David is this shepherd king who becomes leader over Israel. He's a type of Christ because the Bible refers to the fact that Jesus is going to come and shepherd his people, God's people, Israel, and the world, okay? And so David, as a shepherd, is this up, high, lifted up authority person. Just 10 centuries later, a little over a 1,000 years later, shepherds are the outcasts of society. Nobody has anything to do with them. They live out. They take care of animals. They don't smell good all the time. They're isolated. They're out there. But notice who God speaks to, shepherds. And so your ability to be used of God is not based upon, and, and another thing, those guys didn't have theological degrees. Okay, if anybody had flunked out of the synagogue, it was the shepherds, okay? They, they weren't people that knew a whole lot. They weren't very well-educated people, but this is who God speaks to and reveals himself to and uses. And the Bible says the shepherds believe the story. They accept it for their life. How do we know that? They go and see with their own eyes who Messiah is, and then they go out and they begin to tell the story to anybody that will listen. So you want to be God's favorite, then seek to be reconciled to God, okay, through his son, Jesus Christ. When you're his favorite, then use the story. Apply it to your life, how it's touched you. You are an expert in what your relationship to God has done, through Christ has done for you. So apply that story and tell everybody you can. That, that's the second thing that we need to do at Christmas is we need to begin to tell people the story. Use that story. Do your best to tell people the true message of Christmas. What's the true message of Christmas? It's very simply this. Jesus Christ, God's one and only, only be, uh, to, never to be duplicated, Son, took voluntarily His glory off, came to earth as a baby. God with us, God incarnate, not part God and part man, but Emmanuel, God with us. He grew up, he lived a life in pretty much obscurity, poverty. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He died for our sin, and he was buried and rose again the third day, once and for all, death and sin. That's the message of Christmas. Now, we don't always think about that. We think about the nativity and the birth and the shepherds and all those things that we sing about. But the message of Christmas is the fact that God so loved you that he sent his one and only, only begotten, never to be duplicated son, that you and I might have a relationship with him and be reconciled to him, to be at peace with him, to be one again with him, and that we might tell people the story of Christmas. 
Uh, Josh did an announcement a few minutes ago about sending our students to Passion. And the founder of Passion is a guy named Louis Giglio who founded uh, Passion Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, recently, uh, recently, a few years ago, uh, Chris Tomlin, some of you know who Chris Tomlin is, Christian uh, artist and musician, but he was doing his Glory to God in the Highest concert uh, tour, and he happened to be in Houston. This was back in 2009. And as he was doing that concert, he had invited Louis Giglio, the founder of Passion and Passion Church, to come and to share with him. And so he had done his first set of songs, and then he introduced Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio comes to the stage, thousands of people, and he asks for a volunteer. When he comes on stage, he has this big, huge box present wrapped up like Christmas present. He asks for a volunteer. Of course, everybody in the audience was a volunteer, and he picks a nine-year-old kid out of the audience, a little boy named Nathan. Nathan comes running up there and Giglio's interviewing Nathan. He says, why are you here? And Nathan's just looking at the package, and he's caught up in that. And he says, I don't know. We're here to hear Chris somebody. Tomlin. Okay, and everybody kind of laughs, and he introduces him to Chris Tomlin. And he says, you want this package? Yes, I want the package. Okay, you can open the package. He rips into the package, and it's Chris Tomlin T-shirts and CDs and videotapes and backstage passes for he and his whole family to go back and meet Chris Tomlin and all these things. And everybody's applauding. They're laughing. They're celebrating. And Nathan grabs the package, and he runs off back to his family. And Giglio's trying to get his attention. And so he gets back, and the applause kind of dies down. And Giglio says, Nathan, I want to remind you something. He said, whenever you open a present at Christmas, always remember to dig to the bottom of the box. And so Nathan realizes there's something else in the box. So he digs down through the box, and what he finds is a Bible. It happens to be Louis Giglio's personal Bible. And so Giglio has him bring it back on stage, and he takes it, and then he begins to share with the audience at Passion or at this concert that day about the truth of Christmas. And this is basically what he says. God shows up on Mary and Joseph's worst day. I mean, they have no money. Mary has just made a several-day journey on the back of a donkey at the time of the birth of her child. Their life is pretty much disgraceful because Mary is pregnant basically out of wedlock. They're engaged, but not married. The rumor mill is running. People are making fun of her and whispering behind Joseph's back. Uh, Probably they are alone and nobody understands what's going on. And it is the worst possible day of their life and God shows up isn't it just like God on what could be your worst day he wants to show up in your life and to reconcile and to redeem and to help you understand you are his favorite and then Giglio went on to say There are 12 words that have forever changed history. And it's these 12 words. Today, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. The 12 days of Christmas song probably hadn't changed anybody's life. But those 12 words can change everything. That's the message of Christmas.
And that's what we're supposed to be sharing. It's what we get to share with the people who will listen. Seek God's favor. And when you're God's favorite, use the story to tell other people about Christmas. As we move into this last part, the the, the thing that God says the most for us in every single thing that we do is that we then hold the treasure. Look at verse 19. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Mary took all that she knew. Okay, she had had the angel Gabriel stand there. She knew the stories. She knew the prophecies. She was a woman who was highly favored. That meant that she had been versed in Jewish tradition and history her whole life. Her husband Joseph was a righteous and devout man. He knew all the stories about who Jesus would be and why Jesus would come. He's had the angels tell him what's going to take place. But then, ladies, think about it. Those of you who have been blessed with the opportunity to give birth to a child, how would you like to be in the birthing room not yet fully over everything that's taken place and have a bunch of stinky, smelly people that you don't know bust in. You ready? Because that's exactly pretty much what happened. She's given birth to Jesus. She's placed him in a manger. And we have these beautiful scenes of the manger. You know, they're warm and lights and animals. No. More likely, the manger was actually a cave hollowed out uh, a place and, and, and the feeding trough was probably a flat ledge in the cave that had been chipped rock. It's cold, it's dark, it stinks. There's manure on the floor. And this is the atmosphere that Mary has brought the Messiah of the world into. And then the shepherds show up. And they're trying to explain, ma'am, we're sorry that we're interrupting this intimate time. But, hey, here's why we're here. The angels, they said, he is. And the Bible says that Mary takes all those things and she ponders them. And that word for ponder means that she rolls them over in her mind. She knows everything that she's heard. She knows everything that she's been told. She hears the explanation of the shepherds, but she doesn't stop. She keeps mulling it over. She keeps pondering it. She keeps rolling it over in her mind. And then it says she treasures them. She didn't just think about it, but she personally applied this truth to her life. I don't know where you are in your relationship to Christ, but don't stop. Keep taking all those things that you're learning Keep mulling them over, pondering them, rolling them around. Keep treasuring them, holding on to them, and letting them make a bigger difference in who you are. Applying those truths every single day to your life, every part of your life. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 31, 32, and he says, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound. You know, I read that, and I do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of premarital counseling, and 
I, I tell husbands, every wedding ceremony that I have an opportunity to, to participate in, I tell husbands, and I, guys, I don't apologize for what the Word of God says, okay? I, I tell wives, submit. Now, I tell them in the biblical sense what that really means. And it doesn't mean submit, okay? It means to respect the place of the husband in the home, to lead spiritually the home. If the husband will lead the home spiritually, everything else will, will, will fall out the way it's supposed to, okay? But I also tell the husbands that I think the Bible says something more difficult to them. The hardest thing, if a husband can get this down, okay? If a husband can get this down, his wife will never have any trouble submitting. And the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, sacrificing himself for her to present her back to himself as a bride without stain, wrinkle, or blemish. In other words, husbands, love your wives to perfection. In every wedding ceremony that I have an opportunity to be a part of, I tell the husband that in front of the whole crowd that's there. Okay? If, if your wife, guys, if your wife doesn't look to you as good as she did 10, 20, 15, 30, 40 years ago, it's your fault. Okay? Love the wrinkles away. It's your fault. Perfector. It's your job. Perfect. And so Paul, writing in Ephesians 5, says, mystery. And it is a mystery. I don't know how sometimes it happens. Okay? I get couples that come to me wanting me to help keep their marriage together, and I'm thinking, Lord, why did you let them get married in the first place? Okay? It's a mystery. But then he turns around and says this. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. See, it's a mystery why the God of the ages would love somebody like me. But he does. And he loves me to perfect me. And the same thing is true for you. He wants you to understand his love. He loves you. And that's what Christmas is really all about. You and I have been given the opportunity to share the story of Christmas. This greatest gift that God has ever given us. Share it. Tell somebody about Christmas. Maybe you're here this morning and the honest truth is you don't feel like God really favors you. Are you one with Him? Has there been a time in your life where your life changed? Not where you knew more stuff, more knowledge, more things about Him. And we can recite the stuff. But has there been a time in your life where you became one? with him reconciled that you knew it if not I would challenge you that this Christmas needs to be today needs to be the day that you become God's favorite God wants you to be his favorite period the most beautiful verse to me one of the most beautiful verses to me in all of scripture comes from the gospels where Jesus says I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of of the angels of heaven over one sinner that repents. And I used to just blow through that verse and blow through that verse and blow through that verse. And one day I actually slowed down and read it. 
Because I used to think kind of what it was is, you know, and I have a really strange way of looking at things sometimes. You think maybe the angels were sitting up there, you know, and they're kind of looking down this great cloud of witnesses, and they're watching what's going on, and they see a sinner that says, I really want to accept and believe that God did this, and I ask Christ to be Lord of my life. And the angels start going. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Get it. See, the God of the ages begins the rejoicing. God begins to say, thank you for coming home. Thank you for accepting my son. Thank you for taking the promise. And the angels get caught up in God's celebration. God loves you. Are you one with Him? Has there been a time in your life that your life changed? Not the knowledge, but the heart. If not, today's the day for you to become God's favorite. And ask the God of the ages to forgive you based upon what His Son did on the cross for the sins of the world. That includes yours. There's some of us, we know that. But maybe we're not being the best with the story that we can be. And, and maybe that's because there's something in our life, an attitude or a sin or something that just keeps us from telling the story the best way we know how. Man, get that right. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Use a story what God's done for you and why to tell somebody else maybe some of us just need to grow more we all do and maybe today just a challenge for you to say you know what I need to commit myself to learning more about the truth of God's love do it however God challenges you respond as God speaks respond it's Christmas it's here and the message hadn't changed. So what are we going to do with the challenge of Christmas? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the day that you've given us. And I pray, Father, that as we move into a time of worship, that you would just help us to worship you by responding as you place things upon our hearts. Lord, I pray for the people here today who need a relationship to you. You want them to quit playing with religion and to be reconciled, to be one. Father, may we never cease to wonder at the birth of Messiah Christmas. And God, may that truth today change somebody's life, change somebody's marriage, change somebody's home that Jesus Christ alone will be glorified. Father, there, there are those here, those of us here this morning that, Lord, we just need to begin to do a better job with the story. The way we live it, the way we share it. God, our enemies try to convince us that 
we're the outcasts. Father, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. So God, I pray for your truth to restore. Father, there are those of us that need to keep growing in our faith, applying it to our lives. God, help us today to respond as you challenge us. We pray this today in Jesus' most precious name.